welcome to the Triple Threat Podcast. We'll be coming to you with Kardashian gossip, makeup tutorials, and oh, shh, that's the wrong script. <laughs> but on a serious note, this will be quite light-hearted, with ranging topics and debates from sport to music to TV. But it would be a disservice to the current situation and climate to fail to mention the Black Lives Matter movement. To keep it brief, please continue to educate yourselves and have the necessary uncomfortable conversations that would enable us to act progressive change. To be completely honest, the premise of discriminating against another human because of the colour of their skin is saddening and illogical. The Minnesota Freedom Fund has asked for people to divert their attention to alternative charities. So after some research, I'd like to promote some other relevant charities such as the Equal Justice Initiative and the One Case at a Time Initiative. Please obviously continue to sign petitions and use your social media effectively as it is such a powerful tool. We need to strive as a collective human race for the furtherance and betterment of black people, whether that is in the form of equal opportunities or their general treatment as contributors to society. Society would look awfully different if the contributions of black people didn't exist. Relevant to that discussion, we decided to start big today, so I'm joined today by Platinum Selling, Grammy Award-winning music artist who originates from both Ghana and the UK. He built himself from the ground up and sports collaborations with the likes of Ed Sheeran, Major Lazer, Sean Poole, while charting number one around the globe. Alongside having multiple mobile awards to his name, he is also heavily involved with charity work, all of which will be discussed today. So, Fuse, Fuse ADG, welcome. Thanks so much. Rah, rah, rah. How you doing, my brother? <laughs> Thanks so much. So, <laughs> the first section is just light-hearted, quick-fire questions. Some would-you-rathers. Oh, yeah? But, so would you rather have the same phone forever or the same haircuts forever? <laughs> the same phone. Okay. Yeah. Would you rather listen to the same song all day, every day for 30 years, right? Or not listen to any music for 20 years? Ah, uh, no, the same, the same song. Wow. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Jalof or Yam? Jalof. Antenna or Azonto? Oh, wow. Antenna. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> and the last one, would you rather lose your sense of taste or your sense of smell? Sense of smell. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love food too much. <laughs> okay, so now it's time for the slightly more in-depth questions. So, Fuse, you have one of the most decorated and illustrious pasts of any UK artist and are considered a stalwart of the community. But despite this, I thought it'd be best to start at the very beginning and then work chronologically. Is that okay? All right, let's go. So I read that you were born in London and raised in Ghana before returning. Is that, so how is yeah. that where the concept of your name comes from? Yeah, the kind of artist that I am definitely was influenced by my, my journey. Definitely born in London and taken to Ghana, then came back to start secondary school back in London. Yeah. And it really shaped the kind of person I am and my mentality because I saw how, you know, they would, you know, people were seeing me as an African, you know, being back in the UK. And it wasn't really a great perception. You know, I never understood why people thought I came from a poverty-stricken place and, you know, they thought that we lived on trees and with animals. And, you know, there's a lot of negative perception about where I came from. And to me, I was confused because I'm coming from a place where there's big houses everywhere, you know. And I felt like the UK, the houses were so tiny and, and right next to each other. Like that they, they were, I felt like they were living in huts, but therefore I, I lived in huts you know, coming from Ghana. So that definitely, you know, influenced me as a person because, I mean, when I first came back, I wasn't really so proud of, of I, mean, I was on my way, but when I landed and I saw that, wait, wait a minute, these guys don't respect where I'm from. And I'm trying to fit in and become British and, and, and you know, to avoid having too many fights. Being yeah. in secondary school, so you know, I wasn't you know truly representing who I was as an African, and I was more being British, and as my accent was changing, 
I guess I was losing my origin and my identity. But as I got older, I started coming back into my own, especially when I was in college, you know, going into university. But I was interacting a lot more with Africans and I was hearing some amazing music coming from the motherland. And, you know, I kind of wanted to reconnect with, with my roots because I was seeing also a new, a new energy of, of Africanness that was becoming cool. And I kind of made it my mission to make sure that wherever kid comes from Africa, you know, people see him as cool and people see him as, you know, he's coming from a place of, of richness and wealth and, and amazing, you know, amazing things. And to me, the only way to do that was to change that narrative of, yeah. of how people see Africa and to change that perception. So, so I made a mission as an artist. Yeah, I completely see where you're coming from, the, the negative connotations that stem from where you came from. Yeah, exactly. So what, who were your inspirations before you got into music? My inspiration is people like Bob Marley, mm. people like Fela Kuti, people like Wyclef Jean, Damien Marley, K-9, Akon, Michael Jackson. Yeah, of course. Of course. These are all people who have a, a social interest and they, they had a purpose, a clear purpose, you know, through their music. You know, people like Tupac as well. Yeah. You know, so those are the people that really influenced me to you know, become the kind of artist that I am today. Yeah. If you weren't a musician in an ideal world, what do you think you would be doing right now? I'd probably be running a business. I've always been entrepreneurial. I did business management at City University, actually, at Cass Business School. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've always been interested in running my own business. So I'll definitely be, you know, be running a couple of businesses because I have such an entre- entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. And I'll definitely be running a form of business. Sure. Yeah. So, um, what would you say is your strangest talent that you have that no one knows about? Strangest talent? Oh gosh, I can walk on my hands. That wow. people, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not gonna catch me in the music video walking on my hands, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's definitely a very good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you say is the song that holds the most sentimental value to you? It's probably a song called "Letter to Tina." Okay. So it was the intro to my first album. And it's, it's, it's a letter to, you know, Africa. Tina means this is new Africa. And yeah. it was about explaining how life was growing up as an African in the UK and making it my mission to love her again, to love Africa again. So Africa is obviously called Tina. Yeah. And, you know, I promised her that I'm going to love her again. And I'm, I'm apologizing for turning my back on her and making it my mission to make everybody love her too because... She's very, she's very precious and she's very pure and we need to help rebuild her again. So that's, that's one of my most sentimental, you know, song that I hold close to my heart, Letter to Tina. It's like a prayer to me and it reminds me of the mission I'm on. Yes. So I perform that when I'm doing my live shows, I tend to perform that as the first song. Yeah. It's like a prayer before the whole show. So Letter to Tina. And then recently, Breffier, you know, yeah. so it's a song that I hold very close to my heart because... It kind of it showcases what's happening now yeah. and where we're coming from. And it, it reminds us that our history does not start from slavery, but from yeah. world. You know, so again, that's another song that I hold very close to my heart. So Letter to Tina and Breffy. And Breffy is the intro to my second album as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's sad that I know some people see black and they just think everything negative. It's, it's quite sad, but I guess it's our job to try and change that. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad. And, so talk you know, about that. Saying it's our, it's our job to change that narrative. Yeah, 100%. What would you say is the best advice you've been given so far in your career? 
it's not necessarily something I was said, but more like something I witnessed. Mm. It was seen when I was in, you know, live Ivory Coast with Wycliffe. Yeah. And, you know, just seeing how he was just on point with everything in terms of like, you know, because I'm looking at him as, you know, he's a legend. He's done so much. He's, he broke through Destiny's Child, you know, called like Beyonce, Fuji's, Lauren Hill. You know, he, he was, he's been instrumental in, in, in hip hop and R&B. And he was still so hungry to just get stuff done. And he was punctual in everything that he was doing. And, you know, he, he was still passionate about music and performing and everything. And I was, I was very inspired just watching him because I was just like, you could just relax. You could just chill. Like, mm. you know, like I can't even count the amount of hits that you have, but yet you're so on it and you're so on point and, yeah. and still hardworking and still very passionate about, not just about himself, but also helping his people and giving, giving other people advice and the way he was even, you know, talking to me and making me feel like, you know, that, it's a marathon, not a race. And, you know, he, he told me he's a student of music. Yeah. He's always learning. And, and, and that's why he, he was asking me questions. He was asking me a lot of questions about Afrobeats, you know, and yeah. I was very inspired. And from that day, I just knew that I have to also become a student and yeah. then just continue to learn and continue to stay passionate about my craft. Yeah, of course. So you were flying the flag for UK music, but currently, who would you say are your favourite UK artists of the up and coming newer generation? Currently, obviously, I like Jay Huss. Oh, of course, yeah. Kojo Funds. Kojo Funds, yeah. Of course, Stormzy, repping yeah. it hard. I'm a massive fan of Dave as well. Yeah, Dave, yeah, I really like Dave. I like, I like Steph. <laughs> yes, yeah, obviously. <laughs> That's London. Yeah, those are the people that come to mind in terms of the, the oh, new yeah. kids He's doing it. I think we've got all the big ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, Despite being a world-renowned musician, Fuse ODG is also a pioneer of the movement, Tina, as you just mentioned. But before we delve into that, we have a lyric or mine, your lyric or mine round. So this section is called Fuse or Ruse. <laughs> and I'm going to read out some lyrics and you have to tell me if you made them up or if I've just made them up here. Oh, you're going to read our lyrics and I have to guess? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. So if I do, obviously you have to sign me to a, a contract. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... She murdered with her waist. Everybody watching when she turned up in the place. Dangerous love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. She said I was her fuse. I said, with me, she'll never lose. She'll always have my, my love. We fit together like a glove. Now it is you, fam. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had it. Now it is you, fam. <laughs> so, London baby, you know you say you drive me crazy. I can't let you do me shady. Antenna, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. There we go. <laughs> ah, nice. Hey, love the way she holds me when I'm down and lonely. Makes me feel all better, telling me, no, don't worry. Wow. That sounds like something that I would say, though. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you going with yourself? Oh, love the way she holds me. Telling me your stories. Okay, yeah, Tina. That's the one. You've got it. <laughs> yeah, right. there's too many songs, man. <laughs> I think, wait. Because you know what, when you're saying it, yeah, it's it's it's, it's different to when I'm oh, hearing it. Yeah, <laughs> form, like, because I don't I actually don't write like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you you sing it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, go ahead. O D G more like D D G because you're drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> that one is definitely you. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I 
okay. got a better last than that, ho. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. I'm a Ghana man. I'll make you my star and love you even when you're far. Lyrics, oh, that's not me, man. <laughs> oh, you got it. You got it. I tried. I tried. Right. So the concept of Tina transcends music. And I know you've been heavily involved in academics and education and building schools and stuff like that. So what other th- things have you done in terms of like the academic education sector? You said what other? Yeah. So what have you done in terms of that? I mean, yeah, we, we have a school in Akosombo. Mm. that we, we started building a long time ago, actually, like 2009. Yeah. So we, before my music blew up, we used to do community projects in my area. I grew up in Mitcham. We used to do community projects in Mitcham, and we'd do showcases and raise money for, you know, orphans in Ghana. And that's how the orphanage started. It started, started as an orphanage, and it turned into a primary school for the local um, okay. area. And yeah, we raised money for the school and eventually when my music blew up, we started um, putting more money into it. Yeah. And then obviously using my resources and my network to try and raise more money. And that's how we've been running a primary school and now we're building a secondary school. Okay. We're almost done with the secondary school actually because the kids are now at an age where they need to progress on to the next academic stage, which is secondary school. And we're hoping to progress that forward and, and even do like colleges and universities so yeah because obviously education is key for for any child and every child deserves a uh, good education so to me it's one of my main ethoses and one of my main aims to help provide education for less privileged young people and it's, it's been an amazing journey seeing them grow because you know, you can imagine, like, we started in 2009. You can imagine some of them have fully yeah. grown. Love some you. of them have, have even become teachers in the school, <laughs> yeah. teaching other kids. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's nice to, to, to be able to help people get, get education and then seeing people grow like this. And, yeah, I'm excited to, to do more, you know, because there's definitely more to be done. I mean, and I- as well as that, we have Nana Dolls. Oh, um, yeah. Nana Dolls, it's an educational doll. You know, yep. the best way, the way that I describe it to people is to imagine Barbie dolls, but this time African dolls, you know, black dolls. The idea of that, of the dolls, obviously for a kid to have a doll that they can play with, a young girl to have a doll they can play with. But as well as that, they're based on historical African women, so they get to learn about their history mm. and the women who have come before and have, you know, have, you know, really made an impact and rose at a time where, you know, the system was so hard for them to even rise up, but they did, you know, yeah. just to remind them that regardless of what's happening now, you have the power in you to, to stand and lead and bring change in where you're from, you know. So, yeah, saying, yeah, none of those is a product that I'm proud of because mm-hmm. it's something I'll be here forever. And, you know, as well as kids having fun with it, it's, it's also educational for them to learn about their history and empower them, you know, as, as young people. Yeah, because I, I know that it can be hard to grow up when watching TV, trying to buy toys when nothing looks like you. So I see your point. It's really inspiring. It's really exactly. Inspiring. So you're a firm believer of the international boycotting of American products. And I know, I think you started to boycott Coca-Cola. Yeah. And why do you think this is so important? I think sometimes the best way to speak for change is through economic action. The perfect example of that really inspired me was even a campaign that I did with Nivea when Nivea had billboards of like for bleaching campaign 
all over Africa and you know I saw that and I was fuming because I'm like how can you, how can such a major company like you come to the motherland and be encouraging people to brighten their skin and um, yeah. having a slogan saying basically fairer skin and a visual where the woman touches her skin and she gets lighter. I was very angry over that campaign and I posted that online and I you know I said to people that like, we need to you know they need to take down their billboards or we're never going to buy their products again. Yeah. And a lot of people are flushing their, their products down the toilet and yeah just let, messaging them and letting them know that we're no longer giving you our money. And yeah. that pay attention because they know that you know, us as a nation, you know, we have economic power, we have money, and you know, we have buying power. So, them knowing that if they lose us, they'll lose too much of their bottom line that they took down all their billboards. So, to me, I know that there's power in money. If, as a black nation, if we all stick together and invest our money in the right places, we'll, we'll get what we need that will help us as a nation. So, to me, it's important that you know, we have economic power as a people. It's really tough right now because we're scattered all over the place. Mm. But, you know, social media is helping us connect again as Africans. And, you know, my whole, you know, the idea of boycotting Coca-Cola is actually inspired by Martin Luther King, who started that boycott back in the day. But, you know, before he could activate, he was actually murdered. Yeah. So it was just about carrying on a legacy you know, and boycotting a major company who has influence because, you know, these major companies, you know, sit on a board sometimes. Actually, the judicial board, you know, that influences the law that gets yeah. made. And I know that they have power to, to, you know, put pressure on the government to make sure that these guys are brought to justice. Yeah. And the best way as a people is for us to stop, give, stop giving our money to them and start putting our money back into our own community because the reason why we feel, it feels like we're powerless right now is because we don't have our own alternatives. You know, we don't have our own version of Coca-Cola. We don't have our own version of Gucci, our own version of a lot of major, or a lot of the products that these major companies have. So it's time for us to build our own because so many other communities have done that. The Asian community has done it. The Jewish community has done it. Yeah. It's time for the black community to also build its own economy. So... Yeah, I think it's time to work with these companies to help bring these criminals and murderers to justice and also as well as putting money into our own community and building our own economy. I completely agree. Money talks. I mean, financial power is so important. And exactly. I don't know. I just feel like I think we can be the generation to enact change. But I hope yeah, I'm yeah. being naive. Hope, hopefully it happens. We are, we are the generation for that. We created a charity called Escape. Um, what, what was that about? Escape was the community project organization that was doing welcome people for music, dance, art, poetry, sports. And when I was telling you about, you know, doing community projects, doing showcase and raising money and helping to fund the orphanage in Ghana that turned into the school. That was my first ever community based organization. I was like eighteen, nineteen when I started that company and you know, even through that it taught me a lot about helping to change perception of, of young people because the idea of escape was to help change the perception of black, you know, black people, especially young black teens. Because at the time, what they were showing on the news was young black people stabbing themselves mm. and they really criminalized us as black teens. And I felt like we need to change that narrative. We need to do something for them to understand that not, you know, it's not like not all black people are out here, you know, 
and doing what these guys are saying we're doing because you know they just take a little a small portion of something that probably happened and then they usually blow it up and this is like this is boy like i don't know seven or something like two you know what i'm saying so yeah it's yeah. been happening for a long time in terms of us being criminalized like way before us, way way before us like when slavery was abolished like they started putting in different narratives to, to make us feel inferior and to make us look down on ourselves so to me doing escape was to change that perception of young people and empower them to also just do something with their lives like yo where you live is not where you're destined for you know think outside the blocks think think outside your area and yeah that and that was what escape was about empowering young people and also changing the perception of young people yes it's it's sad that the actions of one represents actions or don't represent the actions of many and it seems to be attributed to so many people one person does something bad and it's like it's all black people exactly like then again we have to prove that's not the case so you've also worked with artists such as ed sheeran and major laser and sean paul how was it was it hard difficult nah i mean any any major artists i've worked with mm. it's people that i developed a relationship with and it wasn't like it wasn't a cold you know, session where we didn't know each other. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's a situation where we got to connect, whether it's connecting socially, musically, or as friends, we got to connect first before making music. So it's always, you know, it's always been an amazing experience working with, you know, major artists, you know, such as Sean Paul, Damian Marley, Wyclef, Ed Sheeran. You know, I've enjoyed working with all these people and they've all inspired me. Mm. I'm going to ask you a really tough one here. Which one of those were your favourites? Uh, yeah, it's a very tough one. I really enjoyed working with... Man, it's hard to pick a favourite. <laughs> it's actually hard to pick a favourite. But I loved working with... I loved working with Damien Marley and yeah. I loved working with Ed Sheeran as well. Yeah, sure. Damien Marley, because, you know, he was telling me stories about his dad and when he's talking about his dad, it's like, I'm sitting here, you're, you're actually talking about Bob Marley, you know, like, do you know that? Like, you're yeah. actually talking about Bob Marley. Like, yeah. He's just like, yeah, my dad used to tell me, da 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 da, da. Or like, <laughs> he's just saying casual things. I'm just like, wow, like, <laughs> it's, this is crazy. Like, but um, definitely working with Damien Marley, I was, you know, I, I stayed with him for like a week, you know, and yeah, we were just, just vibing, discussing about, building back home in Africa. And he's someone who's very passionate about Africa and, and, you know, Africans and the Caribbeans, you know, moving together and building together. Yeah. He's very passionate about that. And I was telling him how much I loved um, Distant Relatives, the album that he'd, he'd done with Nas and yeah. how much that really inspired me. And, you know, he was just like, and the way he was talking, like, you know, he always loves what I'm doing and everything. And yeah, it was just, it's just mad just sitting there in front of Damien Marley and, you know, this was just a weird experience, but I really enjoyed working with him. I enjoyed working with Ed Sheeran as well because, you know, he was in Ghana with me and he really just immersed himself into our culture and he wanted to learn, you know, he wanted to learn about our culture. He came to the school, you know, and, and, and really became part of what we do over here in Ghana. And I was yeah. telling him about everything that we do and, and the fact that he needs to also, you know, echo the mission which is changing that narrative and he did that and he's been doing that yeah uh, and he lets people know about his his experience of, of ghana and really represents it you know and 
I really enjoyed spending the week that I spent with him and we made some great music. You know? Yeah, it's all about it's all about willingness to change, isn't it? It's not necessarily yeah. having the right view already, but it's about wanting to learn, I guess. <laughs> so you say you mentioned making music with Ed. How like what is your creative process? How do you go about writing your music and picking like, the Making music with Ed was so easy, man, because <laughs> again it was because we we get on so much and we're, we're great friends. We just would go out eat like chop coconuts and you know we just be in the streets and just even if it's like working out and we just go out to a chop bar we eat go down to a dan like we just went to so many different places in Ghana but when we come back home it's just natural for us to just be like yeah we're in the mood like let's just make some music yeah when we go in there it just flows naturally it's not anything that we need to think about too much it just flowed naturally and it was always about how our day was. You know, the music was always about what we've been through during the day and the vibes. And then we'll just put that into the music, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's how me and Ed was working for the week. And we made a few songs, man. And one of them made it onto his album, Bibi Abe. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, obviously went on to win a Grammy. And then another one of them was Guame, which was on my album. And yeah, and people loved that. Ed was speaking Creole all the way through. <laughs> so... Lastly, I just wanted to know if you had any recommendations. So recently I've been watching on TV The Last Dance, the Michael Jackson, uh, Michael Jackson, sorry, Michael Jordan documentary. And just wondering if you've watched anything or heard any music that you want to shout out. Yeah, I think it's called The 13th. Okay. And it's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, I'd recommend everybody to watch that. It's really important. Because you get to learn about black history from from a black American perspective. Yeah. When... We were taken from here to America. I think the first stop was Virginia. Yeah. And yeah, from there till, I think I was 16, 19, from then till when slavery was abolished. And then they started creating narratives to kind of make us feel inferior and oppress us in the Jim Crow era. And then I think when that kind of got destroyed and, and outed, they created another system, I think it was mass incarceration. And then the drugs in, in all these neighborhoods and creating you know, crack babies and the communities were, were destroyed and then black people were being arrested and put into prison. And it just, just talks about the different systemic racisms that's been embedded into the system over different periods. And it made me realize that with everything that's happening now, they're going to try to embed a new form of racism into the system yeah. that's going to try and break us. But we have to really stand as a people and fight the system and now is the time to really disrupt the system and truly stand up and fight so that's why I truly stand with everybody that goes out to protest Yeah. but we all need to just get together and do this economic protest and put into our community and take away from giving to people who who've never liked us and who just wants to see us fall yeah it's not just black people that should be doing that I think it's really like, important anybody who wants to stand with us yeah. anybody who stand with us you know versus racism yeah, you should be anti-racist. Yeah, I completely agree. So I've just got two more light-hearted questions and then you will be on our way. So what is your favourite place to perform? Favourite place to perform? Man, I have really had a good time. I had a great time in Tanzania. That was an amazing performance a couple of years, years ago, actually. And yeah. the amount of people that showed up was crazy. I think it was like over 10,000 people. Yeah. It was like outside in the streets almost. And it was crazy. I also had a great time in Seychelles. Seychelles oh, yeah. Yeah. very beautiful, man. I had a great time in Seychelles. 
yeah, I think, I mean, there's so many other places, but you know, yeah, if I, that's what coming to my head straight away. All right, and the last question: What is your funniest fan encounter? My funniest fan encounter, <laughs> probably when they they started singing "God Bless Our Homeland" or some "God Bless Our Homeland." God, America, what is she great? I was like, what? <laughs> and I was somewhere in like Bristol, like one of those oh, random, really? yeah, one of those random cities that. You know, oh, that slavery was heavy, you know, was a heavy trade and, and then benefit hiding from slavery. But they had, all those people from that area singing that. I was just like, wow. And this, this was like when everything was just turned around and people started seeing Africa as being cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this goes to show it's, it's possible. It's possible. It's not, the hope's not lost. Yeah. Wow, fuse, Medassin. Well, that's that. I've been your host, Albert Safo. Thank you for tuning in to the Triple Threat Podcast. I'll see you next time.